How sweet, fresh meat. <laughs> uh, how the fuck are ya? Yeah, not bad. How the fuck are you? Oh, dude, I'm fucking great. You know what? Because it's a nice, rainy, fucking windy night. I don't have to go to work tomorrow. I've just been chilling out, watching Spawn, fucking the cartoon, which is perfect for rainy nights. Fucking reading some comics, just chilling. It's good. It's good. It's good, man. Uh, yeah, man, that that's killer, dude. Um, I uh, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> it's Freaky Friday. Um, I wish I kind of wish I was doing what you were doing. But, oh, um, dude, it's you know, it's 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 a life not everyone can handle, but you know. No, that's right. That's absolutely right. <laughs> oh, but, dude, uh, I I need it. Today was just fucking crazy, man. Oh, like, man. What, what is it with the day? As of recording, it's the day before a public holiday, and what is it with everyone just going fucking batshit the day before public holidays? Right. It just it doesn't make sense, dude. It's, it's like. Oh my god! So yeah, it fucking brain break was definitely fucking needed. Oh man, man I feel the same way, dude. The old that old um fucking <clears throat> um evil, like a demonic presence that that thing we call anxiety has just been fucking running rampant today. So yeah, fucking good times, eh? Yeah, said no one ever. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man, exactly. <laughs> But um, man, I I like the idea of just sitting there fucking re, um watching cartoons. You know, I fucking dig it. But um, I, I tell you, I'm 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 really excited about this episode. But like, this is this is the fucking I don't know. This is the sprinkle of fucking magic that that uh, I think you need on a on a weird fucking day, man. It's just two dudes talking shit. No matter how crap your day's been or whatever, we're here to facilitate your happiness and bring you Freaky Friday in all its horrific glory. And talk about an awesome movie. And oh my fucking God. Oh my God. Here we go. Is this a news flash? This is a news flash. I'm <laughs> sure <laughs> you <laughs> saw it. <laughs> um, Take it away, Jay. Ghost are touring this year. <laughs> uh, I was waiting for it. I, I, I knew it was going to happen within the first five minutes, but fuck, <laughs> you've, you've done pretty good there, dude. I just, I'm just like, <laughs> it's, it's, just, um, it's just like, I, I swear, like everyone I know that loves that band just like literally exploded on the internet. last night. It's like, it was like a, a group fucking orgasm of ghost or something. Like it was kind of, it was kind of like a late night announcement too, which was really interesting. Yeah. Um, well, um, my friend. Lucy was just like, oh my God. Like, she just fucking flipped out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy, dude. Like, um, man, dude, fucking unbelievable. Um, I, yeah, exciting tour announcement. I'm sure there's fucking many more to come like that, but Ghost will be a fucking huge stage show. Whoa, I mean, dude, and, you know, like, right at the start of October, right at mm. the start of spooky season. Like, Seems appropriate. Fucking nice one. Mm. I wonder how much tickets are going to be. Uh, I don't know, but I'm fucking going. It's like, it's like them and Depeche Mode. It's like... Why, um, don't you just, 
Oi, why don't you just like say, hey, don't you know who I am? And just, you know, just throw that card at him. I wish it'd work. I wish I got, I got, so I got, I got to, I got, speaking of go. that, speaking of that, so funny thing happened the other week. Um, long, complicated story, but basically. Give us the some, short version. The short version is. Someone that has an issue with me decided to do a little anonymous post and, um, you know, uh, tell a story that was basically an attempted slag off at me. And the, the story was this, that um, they went on a few dates with someone. It's like, well, for starters, we went on one date and you were mm-hmm. fucking two hours late. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> And this person said that they were a professional writer, but I found out that they were actually a cleaner and they lied about it. And I'm like, okay, number one, you know, just let's set the record straight here. I've never lied about my old night job. Um, In fact, my uh, social media is usually littered with stories about how amusing and fucking insane my night job is, which uh, anyone that uh, follows me or is on my friends list can attest to. But I got, I got, it, 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 was, it really wasn't a big deal because it was just uh-huh. so fucking pathetically transparent and a bunch of friends just sort of like chimed in and were like, yeah, we know what's going on here and this is complete bullshit. But I got into a bit of a debate not a debate, but I was having a discussion with a few people about it, about like, you know, this whole thing of like, why are you what your day job is? Like, what, why is that a thing? Like, what is, you know, if, and I mean, it's, it's sort of like, you yeah, well, well, if someone's a musician, but they hold a job, are they not a musician? Like if someone is an actor, but they have to wait tables, are they not an actor? It's, like, it's a, it, I mean, you ask any, any folk in, um, that works in hospitality in LA, dude, tough fucking, yeah. they're, they're all the same, per, like they all fucking work in a bar or a restaurant and they're all fucking professional actors or professional musicians, you know? And they're like, oh, this no, is just my day job till I get signed or whatever. But that's the thing, man. It's like, well, like if you're, um, you know, if you're like, if you're gigging, like, okay, you're yeah. not, you're not making enough money. Like, I mean, okay, if you're not putting in the work, if you're just sitting there wanking off on the internet and saying, oh, I'm this, I'm that, you know, but yeah. you're not actually, you know, you're not writing, you're not working on your music or working on your craft or whatever, you know, okay, yeah, that's a different story. That's, mm. you know, yeah, you're a fucking poser and shut the fuck up. But it's like, you know, look, there's you know, many of them. He, here's the thing, you and me. Right. Like, you know, we're both like, I've done plenty of paid gigs. I have a movie out on DVD. Like, you know, I've done loads of shit. You've done loads of shit. You've sold records. You've toured. You've sold comic books. Mm. We both still have jobs. Like, does that mean that we aren't professional writers or at least semi-professional writers? It's one of those interesting arguments that, quite often surface between people where people just, you know, and it's usually coming from people that just hate their life, hate their jobs and that, that fucking just take a dig at you for whatever reason, you know, and, and they try to, you know, basically make you feel like 
you're a hopeless cause well, trying to follow thing, some yeah. pipe it's, dream. It, that's the thing. It's like this This was clearly designed to try and make me feel like shit. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's I, like, obviously. Don't, don't you know who I am? <laughs> I have a Learjet. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, writer, director, podcaster, Learjet owner, Morrissey hater, sex god. Like, I wear yeah. new hats. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and, and uh, fan club in your name in Kazakhstan. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Supreme, supreme, supreme co-leader of Kazakhstan. <laughs> but uh, it's it's just one of those things where it's just like, oh god, like it's just it is a. I mean, it's I just think it's such a shitty thing to do, like because it's you're, it's pretty you're essentially you're essentially trying to have a shot at someone that is working very hard on what they do. And mm. trying to shame them for having, um, you know, just paying their fucking bills. And I had a great, <clears throat> I had a great moment. Seriously, I had, I had a great moment, and I won't say who, but it's someone that um, we we both know. Um, mm. And you almost had them uh, doing a, a video for you at one point. But this dude pulled me aside when because I, I was I was talking to someone about this the other day. And I said, look, here's the thing. When I took my old job, uh, which was night cleaning, and it sucked, believe me. Um, when I took that job, I felt like shit about it. Because I was like, oh, God, I've got to take this shitty job. And it sucks. And, you know, fuck. I'm like, you know, ugh, just crap. Um, and this person took me aside and said, dude, do not feel bad about this. Like, when I was directing, the first thing that I directed um, I was finishing shooting scenes and running back to my job and working shifts. When we were editing, we would finish an edit session. I would have to run back to my job and do shifts. He's like, there's no shame in fucking paying your bills, keeping the right. lights on, just yeah. fucking do your thing, put your head down, use it as a means to an end to support your fucking dream and what you want to do and Agreed. go do it. Agreed. And that always stuck with me. And believe me, this dude had no reason at all to fucking give my dumbass advice at the time. But mm. it always stuck with me and I was always grateful for it. And um, yeah, I guess the point of this story is don't ever let anyone make you feel like shit for taking a crap job while you're working on your dreams. Well, I mean, you know, you got to be realistic at some point. You know, and I just feel like as long as you're creating and, and doing what you love, whether it's music, writing, acting, whatever, there shouldn't be an expiry date, man. There no. really shouldn't. Like, I mean, you are your own best judge of character. If you decide, hey, I'm done, I'm mm. happy, fucking leave it at that. But don't don't have people sort of dictate to you. Like, I fucking, one of my biggest fucking hates is especially in music when people, you know, people mock other bands. I know, you know, I've had close friends do this in front of me at concerts and they'll go, oh, those guys look a bit old to be on stage. It's like, how fucking dare you say that shit, man? Like, mm. if if I was their age, I'd be stoked to be fucking rocking out and still being able to hold a chord and hold it well. Yeah. If I was, if I was an embarrass, embarrassing shadow of my former self, then maybe sure. But... Dude, if you're up there fucking giving it your all and 
and um, people are willing to pay money to see you do it or, or, or write books or whatever and people still want to support you, fucking more power to you, dude. That's like, the thing, man. Like, I it's a very ageist culture, culture yeah, man. I don't think there's anything wrong with, like, you know, it, look, if you can genuinely get up, look yourself in the mirror and with no regrets go, I'm done. Yeah. Fine. Go for it. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be one of those assholes that's toxically fucking positive and like, no, you pursue your dreams no matter what. But if you're looking in the mirror and you're going, no, nah, man, there's still stuff in the tank. Like, I mm. can't let this go and live with myself. Yeah. Then fucking keep doing it. Who gives a fuck how old you are? Who cares how many shit exactly. jobs you have to work? Like, if you're working every day and, like, you know, it's like so there's some assholes I know that, like, you know, they, you know, they'll say they're a writer or something, but yeah, they, they, yeah. they don't, you know, they don't sit down and, you know, crack the fucking keyboard for a couple of hours a day working on something or, no. you know, a few hours a week or whatever, like if they can get time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, look, you know, you're just being a bit of a poser then if that's what you're doing. But mm. if you're sitting there and you're giving it a fucking go and, you know, you've got some paid gigs under your belt or whatever, then, you know, you are what you say you are. I was talking about this with a friend the other day. He's like, look, I haven't written anything professionally for over a year. Like, I've just been working at my job. And I know heaps of writers that have day jobs. Oh, like, that's it, man. Like, I mean, people that write shit like fucking, you know, like Scott Snyder that yeah. writes Batman. The dude yeah. teaches. Like, so, yeah. <clears throat> well, it's so true, dude. It's like, man, that, yeah, don't never judge a book by its cover. That's, I think that's kind of partially the moral of the story yes and and never be one of those cunts that uses someone's fucking dream like weaponizes someone's dream and stuff Mm. because that's a really shitty thing to do (laughs) i mean and it says way more about you than it does about the person you're attacking it does man it's like you know like everyone's a fucking critic everyone's quick to be that person um, you know, especially, you know, people at, at gigs when they, you know, co- you know, throw snide remarks at the bands and stuff like that. I, I just, I look down on those people. I go, how fucking dare you, man? Like, they're up there fucking doing something they believe in. And it's like, it's like you, man, you know, like when you, you know, I see you, you've, you, you're working on your, your comic book and shit, like, you know, cigarettes and silver bullets. And I'm like, fuck you, dude, go for it, man. You know, like. Um, it's, it's doing something you love, you know, it's, yeah, like, man, I, I, I fucking, I bust my balls week in, day in, week out, you know, fucking just to do what I do. And I, man, the amount, I, I, I've lost count the amount of times I will fucking just stop and just go, why am I doing this? Like today I was fucking waist deep in fucking recycling, just going, fuck, here I go again. Fucking what an idiot I am. But it's like, nah, dude. No. Nah. nah, man. Look, honestly, man. And it's one of those things where I think every single fucking artist, whatever your, I mean, I'm not going to use the word discipline because using the word discipline and me in the same sentence just sounds wrong. Yeah, you, you feeling all right, dude? <laughs> I just, like, I mean, discipline, me, please. Fucking hell. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yes, and next I'll be saying no. I just stopped at one potato chip officer. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
you know, whatever, whatever your medium is that you're working in, every fucking artist in the world sits there and goes, what the fuck am I doing? Why am I putting myself through this? Like, this is impossible. I quit. Like, man, I, you know, for years there, I quit filmmaking and writing at least twice a week, like at least minimum. Like it was just like, fuck it. I'm done. This is stupid. Time to grow up and get a real job and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, no, I I couldn't do that. Like I couldn't, I couldn't live with myself if I wasn't being creative in some aspect. And yeah, I just think like, you know what? I just, I hate this notion of shaming people for what they do to pursue their dreams or pay their rent or whatever. It's like, yeah, like I agree. It's, it's, it's fucking dumb. It's fucking dumb. And I was I was talking about this with a friend the other day. Actually, we were, I was having a chat with her, and we were talking about like you know both of our jobs because uh, you know she's gotten a new job that's like you know pretty high paying and stuff like that, and she's like. I feel like it's like we were just like saying like you know because we both work shit jobs like we were while we were pursuing that stuff. She's an actress, you know. I write and stuff like that, and um, you know we were both saying like you know we worked our asses off in shitty jobs for like minimum fucking wage and busted our hump, and now the jobs that we're doing now it's just like you you just get to this point where it's just like I feel like I'm stealing because I don't think I should be getting paid as much as I am to do what I do. Like how is everything's backwards? <laughs> like, so man, I don't know. I just think like, don't fucking shame an actor for waiting tables. Don't shame a musician for like waiting tables or working in a Dude. bar or whatever. Like just get fucked with that shit. Can I, on that note, can I just say there was a time when I was, when I was at hard rock that, there was, I reckon, a solid 40 to 50% of employees working in kitchen or wherever, whatever department, that were all musicians in bands. Mm. And one of those guys was the drummer in Sunk Lotto, working yeah. in the kitchen. Now, he's in this band that's like, at the time, and still to a, to a degree, one of the biggest bands in Australia, like Big mm. Day Out, fucking Deftones fucking love them, Seven Dust love them, you know, like this is... At the time, this is how big they were. Yeah. And here he is fucking, you know, making desserts behind in the mm. kitchen, you know, and so humble and so cool. And, like, you know, I, I don't know, man. Like, it's well, fucking, I, I, yeah. dude, I feel like there's this whole, and I know, you know, we will get to Nightmare in Oxford in a minute. <laughs> mm. But I feel like there's this whole, and this is something I was talking about when this this whole stupid bullshit went down i feel like there's this real myth uh that people that aren't in the entertainment industry in some capacity there is a a real myth that is perpetuated of like once you do that one thing you've made it like once you release one album once you make one movie once you sell one script or one comic or one novel that's it. You're on easy street from that point on. And it just ain't fucking true. Like it's the, myth, truth. the myth of like the Stephen King, Dan Brown, JK Rowling, whatever thing is exactly that. Like that is like the fucking 5% that actually 
get to that point where it's like, yeah. oh, my, my first or my third novel is a bestseller yep. and yep. everyone in the world's read it or every fucking person that owns a, a, a CD player or an iPhone has heard this song or every country with electricity saw this movie. It, it's It's not the fucking... It's not the majority. It's the minority that has mm. that level of success. Absolutely. Like the rest of us, yeah. we put one thing out and then it's like, okay, back to the day job. And, oh, well, I, you know, I got a little bit of extra cash from that that I can funnel into the next thing or, you know, pay my rent for a little yeah. bit extra or whatever. And it's back to the fucking day job and, you man. know, working on the next thing between I've, fucking shit. that's right. I've got, I mean, I've got friends in some of the biggest metal bands in the world they work fucking day jobs. Yeah. You know, they fucking, they work like everybody else to pay their rent, to fucking keep a roof over their head, all that sort of shit. Yeah. So, you know, this fucking bizarre illusion is is just like, I don't know, man. I, I feel like it's a byproduct of the, the, the glamour of the 70s and 80s. Of, yeah. Uh, of a time where record companies were throwing checkbooks left, right and centre at yeah. bands. That those days are long gone, dude. And well, and like yeah, you say, yeah. it's five percent. It is a five percent across the board in every industry yeah. of people that actually succeed at a well, high level. That's the thing, man. Every everyone like I mean, even with filmmaking, like there's this whole like myth of like the the like the the nineties rock star director yeah. kind of thing, yeah. where it's like the Tarantinos, the Kevin Smiths, the Rodriguezes, you know, the mm. the dudes that like you know, make that one film for like 20 bucks and then all of a sudden like it's huge and fucking someone sees it and it's playing everywhere and suddenly they're massive. That again, even in the nineties, that was not the fucking, that was not the story for most independent filmmakers. Most of us, it's like, you know, you bust your ass to try and get it, and then yeah, you you keep busting it until like it picks up. Um, I mean, yeah, it's just oh man, it, it's like it's just like it's a myth. It's not the truth. <laughs> mm, exactly. Um, it's it's so true. Fucking what a way! What a fucking real fucking way to start the show, man. I, I can't actually really dig it because. You, you listen to some podcasts and they just fucking, I don't know, just beat around the bush about just trivial shit. Whereas, I don't know, it's kind of nice to be on a podcast where you just talk about real stuff. And Well, I mean, I guess it's one of those things too where it's like, you know, and I, you know, I don't want to be like, you know, I'm fucking, I'm not Henry Rollins out here giving fucking life advice. Um, although, you know, yeah. don't we all, don't, if, if, isn't there a little bit of Henry Rollins in all of us? Um, yeah. I just, I know that like, you know, look, I know that we've got a lot of, well, I, a lot of people I know that are, you know, in creative fields to some degree, listen to us. Um, fucks me. Why? What is wrong with you? Uh, but, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I just think like, you know, this is probably something that like a lot of people in creative fields have been through or if they're getting into it, will at some point go through like you're always going to run into that asshole who just you know he gets a fucking hair across their ass about you for whatever and just decides to use what you're trying to do with your life to fucking drag you down and fuck them don't listen to them they're just doing it because they're fucking sad bitter miserable attention-seeking fucking pricks that uh you know don't have the sack to actually 
fucking, I don't know, front you about whatever the fuck their issue is. Like, mm-hmm. They're just going to drag your bullshit out and fucking mm-hmm. do You yep. said you were this, but you actually do this. It's like, well, <clears throat> I mean, I, I don't know, man. I just, I also think like, you know, just because you do a job doesn't mean that's what you are. Yeah, that's right. Like, you know. You gotta have, you gotta have means to an end. Exactly, man. Like that's the thing. Like, you know, just because you fucking you know, wash dishes or clean floors or fucking you know, man a checkout at Woolies or whatever. Or yeah, that's right. Whatever. That doesn't like I say that's what you are for the rest do, of your life. Yeah, like it's not fucking Futurama. Do <laughs> like, you think do you think that that helps you you achieve your happiness, man? That's yeah. That's the ticket. Yeah. Fucking hell, man. Let's go to 1988. Fucking. Expo um, 88? Expo 88. Oh, man. There's so much to say about 88. Oh, yeah. New Jersey was released, right? New Jersey. (laughs) Here we go. Here we fucking go. Bon Jovi. So today, this week's episode, we are talking exclusively about, not Bon Jovi, all right, damn it. But, um, I'm, I'm. Look, I'm just having a quick look at the Toys R Us catalog of 1988. Fuck me, dude. What a t- man. Ah, oh, all the video games. Nintendo was a huge thing. There was the power pad for the Nintendo. There was fucking um, just so much cool shit. Board games. Um, Captain Power had action figures. Real ghostbusters. Oh, fuck man, Captain Power. Oh my god, I was. You know, man, I was so fucking pissed that we never got. Captain Power figures over here. I actually, when I was a kid, uh, quick story, Captain Power was on TV, but it was on at like four in the morning. So yeah. I used to actually set a little alarm clock under my pillow to wake me up so that I could watch Captain Power. Wow. Fuck I was yeah. I was dedicated, man, because I thought that thing looked fucking cool as shit. And it was. Yeah, man. Um, I didn't watch a hell of a lot of Captain Power, and I'm, but thank fuck for technology, because... I will definitely go back and check it out on my to-do list. But, man, how about all the um, – before we get to our fucking movie that we're talking about, the, the, some of the toys for Captain Power were sick, but the real Ghostbusters they actually had a fucking, like, a full proper proto backpack that the kids, kids could get oh, from yeah, Toys man, Us. Yeah, like, I mean, those, those Ghostbusters figures, like, the, that cartoon was fucking rad, man. I loved it Dude, so much. so much. Like, I mean, this is the thing, man. We've, we've griped a little bit about – toys and quality of toys on the show um i believe as you know as early as last week but (laughs) man like fucking there's truth i mean when you look at some of the shit and i wish you guys could see this but and like seriously go on google and type in toys 1988 toys r us catalog it will blow your mind the quality of the toys i mean you could get a thundercats uh, thundercats action figures Plus the fucking Sword of Thunder. Or is it Sword of Thunder or Sword of Omens? Sword of Omens, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dude, cool shit like that. Ninja Turtles had cool shit. Fucking, ah, man, Mask was a huge thing. Like, ah, dude, like, I could just go on. Megaforce was toys. Fucking. Oh, ah. God, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, dude. Do you you remember that? There was was a Pee Wee Herman action figure, dude. This was one of the weirdest toy lines. Now, you you know the Warlord comic, right? Yes. You remember the Warlord had a fucking toy toy line? 
in the 80s, like around 87, they were kind of like, a, I think Remco did them and they looked like they were about the same sort of sculpt and size as Masters of the Universe figures, but they were kind of like a shittier version of Masters of Universe figures to put it, to put it nicely. Like they were like the, okay, we've, we're kind of just copying He-Man here, but we're not actually doing it quite as cool as He-Man was. Mm. Um, Cause yeah, I remember those so well. And I was just like, it's so weird that like someone just made a toy line of Warlord. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's it, like random toys, dude. Like I'm sure there's, yeah, there's some like A team. Those A team action figures were so good. Oh, dude, I fucking love those. Like I, I had a few of both. I think I had all of the little ones, like the GI Joe sized ones. Um, and God, man, they were fucking rad because it's just like, uh, you what? I get to team up like the A team and GI Joe. How fucking cool was that? Yeah. Um, and I think I had BA and Face in the bigger sized ones. Oh, wow. Like the, the ones that were about, you know, eight inches or so tall. Mm. Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. Like those ones are sick, dude. And, and, um, even like, uh, like they were on par with the masters of the universe figures and stuff. I mean, fuck tune into last week's episode and listen to us waffle on about that shit. That was great. But, um, (laughs) man, like I, I never, I never tire about talking about toys. Like even the Star Wars toys, Return of the Jedi and shit was sick. Like man, it was oh, dude. Yeah, it was some sick. I shit. mean, they, they were rad. I re- I remember when the the Jedi figures came. I I remember the Emperor being really hard to find. And this one kid yeah, I knew at primary school was like, "I've got the Emperor," and everyone was just like, "Oh my god, can I?" I just had one. See it? <laughs> I had one, dude. It was yeah. So did I. Eventually, I I got one, but yeah, for a while there, he was uh, he was pretty pretty tough to find. Old fucking Palpatine. Yeah, I don't know how I found him, but dude, I was pretty stoked, man. But yeah, there was so much cool shit about eighty eight, man. Cool movies, Friday Night Part Two, fucking. Um, Fuck the blob. There's so much, but as you know, if unless you've been sleeping under a rock or you've been hanging out, fucking watching Morrissey concerts on repeat, which I don't know why. This um, week we're talking about License to Drive. <laughs> Soundtrack by Bon Jovi. That was that was '88, right? Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. No, this week we are continuing our lovely stroll down Elm Street, um, and we are talking about. Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master. Probably my favourite nightmare. This is a tough one, dude, because I watch this and I go, fuck, I don't know which one I like better, three or four. It's tough, man. It's really tough. because I And that's love, a good problem to have. I love both of them, but I think number four slightly just slightly yeah edges it out um for many reasons for a lot of reasons some of which include billy idol and drama armor i was a dude peace in a pod dude i was just thinking that exact thing like and and don't forget the freddy rap yeah exactly like dude this is this is the movie right and we touched on this last week i recall it's very, it's very there in my memory. I recall having seen number four in 3D on the big screen 
and I do have the 3D glasses. Well, I, I had, but man, this movie really made Freddy Krueger like after number three. Freddy Krueger was a fucking cult icon. Like there were action figures, the comic books, like the marketing was off the chain for this at this point. And uh, yeah, fucking um, the soundtrack was just wild. Well, this this one was like this was um, you know this is the one that people refer to as like being full on MTV Freddy and. I agree with that, yeah. but I don't think that's an insult because this is this is MTV Freddy back when MTV was really fucking cool and mm-hmm. like something to aspire to. Absolutely, this like, is yeah. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, like Rennie Harlan directing it. Oh, like, dude, right, you know, right. Like this is. And, uh, I mean, he knocked it out of the fucking park. Yeah, like this. In terms of a, you know, if you want to liken a movie to a home run in baseball, I reckon this is it. Like this from oh, start man, to absolutely. finish. Yeah, from start to finish. And you know, the, Jake, the, the, one of the, the big things I love about this film is the continuity from number three. We see the return of oh. our fucking surviving characters from number three. I fucking, yeah. I don't know about you, but I was so happy about that. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like like we said last week, you know, I feel like three, four, and five are their own little trilogy within yes. Yes. the Elm Street movies, because they very much do just follow on from each other. Like, it's, yeah. it's very much a, each one, three, four, and five, are a direct sequel to each other. Um, and I think that's really fucking rad. Um, you know, I mean, of, of course, like, I think Rosanna, uh, Patricia Arquette was... Uh, Rosanna Arquette. Fucking what? Um, uh, bon Jovi? <laughs> wrong, wrong sister, wrong movie. Fucking Jesus. That's that's when we're talking about Nowhere to Run with Van Damme. <laughs> but um you know patricia arquette i think was uh pregnant at the time or something which was the reason why she didn't it's, come back for this one yeah it's a real shame that she wasn't available for this one but um yeah look i mean her replacement was played great like, oh, tuesday night acquits herself fucking great like, yeah. yeah yeah she was I, great I, I think she did a great job um, but yeah, man, like this one just really was full tilt, rock and roll, MTV, fucking big ass budget, fucking, well, big ass budget for 1988, like mm. horror, like it was great. And I mean, man, I remember, I remember when this movie came out because I saw the poster for this and I mean, I'd already had like, you know, a bit of, uh, you know, oh my God, Freddy's so freaky shit in the back of my mind. But I remember this movie when I was a kid was fucking everywhere. Like you could not go past the cinema without seeing big motherfucking Nightmare on Elm Street 4 posters everywhere. Like it was for the kids that weren't there um and i know i've probably told this story before but i'm going to tell it again because i'm an old man and that's what we do we tell stories and wear onions on our belt which was the fashion at the time um but like man the the only thing i could liken this to like the modern equivalent would be a marvel movie like yeah there were Freddy posters in bus shelters, on buses. There were posters in fucking everywhere for Nightmare on Elm Street 4. It was massive. It had such a huge, 
like marketing push against it. And I mean, the poster for me just completely uh, fucking. I just, think this might be my favorite. This and number one of my favorite posters. It just captured my fucking brain because, like, you've got that weird fucking dream fucking hologram looking Freddy in the middle of it with fucking Alice or Kristen's eyes behind him. And you've got the whole, like, that junkyard all around him, the like the car yard, like it's all fucked up and post-apocalyptic looking. And dude, I was just fucking obsessed with this. And everyone I knew at school, like, you know, the cool kids were like, oh, we're going to see Night Renown Street 4 on the weekend. And man, I fucking hounded and harassed the fuck out of my mother to let me see this movie. And when she find like, you know, I was looking at newspaper screenings and like, you know, it's back in the day, that's how you found out when movies were on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, I'm looking like in the back of the newspaper and like there's like, you know, the big like almost quarter page fucking black and white printing of like, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, the, years, the hottest movie. Like, you know, if you think Freddy was dead, you ain't seen nothing yet. Type yeah, shit yeah. Everywhere. Like, um. And, you know, I'm looking at the session times and shit, and I fucking harassed the fuck out of my mom until I could go. And she finally relented, and I chickened out because I was too fucking scared. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I was like, I want to go see it. I want to go see it. I was like, fine, go and see the fucking movie then. And I'm like, mm, yeah, no, it's okay. I'm, I'm okay. Like, no, I'm not don't worry about it because it was like oh, i can go to the movies by myself and i would have been like 1988 i would have been like fucking 11 or turning 11 and yeah, yeah i was just like way too fucking way too chicken to go see fucking elm street 4 on my own but yeah. i did i did watch the uh trailer for it on the license to drive vhs quite a lot <laughs> Once I sort of got over uh, the trailer was sick, dude. I love the trailer. Oh, yeah, love yeah, right. that that iconic um, voiceover dude. Um, Freddie's back. Yeah, and, you know, I, I I can't even remember the lines of the trailer, but dude, just that voice. Like he could say, uh, he could say words like "coming soon" from Kellogg's, Fruity Loops. Oh yeah, because I remember he did different flavors. He, he ended it with like the tagline. It's like you know. Terror beyond your wildest imagination. Yeah, like you know that kind of shit. It was fucking. Yeah, rad. it was. It was like the tagline for the poster. Terror, terror beyond your wildest dreams. Yeah. yeah, it was fucking sick, dude. But I love the poster because um, we'll move on on this one. But like the poster's great. Like you say, it just captures so much of the awesomeness of the movie. I especially love Freddy's claws. The way they come up from the ground down towards underneath the um the logo, it's just it's so reminiscent of what happens in the movie, um mm. and especially um that that cool fucking hand that's scraping into Freddie's cheek and pulling it with the spike bracelet and shit. Yeah. Like, there's just there's so much um connectivity to the to the movie. It's um. It's really it, there's no false advertising in, in that poster. It's fucking no, man, it's, it's it's just it's rad. It's just so fucking rad. And I mean, I remember like you know being a kid and just like yeah, like just I don't know, man. It just it really like 
all the posters do it, but like this one, I don't know, for some reason, just really fucking struck a chord with me and it just was just fucking living in my head rent free and still does. Um, I mean, it also lives on my wall in a, a great big frame because fuck yeah. <laughs> um, you know. Yeah. And it's, uh... honest, honestly, man, like the poster for this one, like, you know, this is the last thing I'll say about it, but the poster for this one was like my big incentive to get the first three Nightmare on Elm Street posters to go with this poster. Cause it was like, I love the poster for four so fucking much. I love yeah. the movie so much. Like, but I don't want to have like just Nightmare on Elm Street four on my wall. It's like, you know, I want a set and ended up getting like one, two, three and four and just nice. having a wall just completely devoted to them. Nice. Um, Quick synopsis. Freddy Krueger returns once again to terrorize the dreams of the remaining dream warriors, as well as those of a young woman who may be able to defeat him for good. Coming soon to a cinema near you. Except if you're in Kazakhstan. <laughs> Where it'll be coming out eventually. Kazakhstan will be like the start of number four with the little girl drawing fucking chalk on the ground. They'll yeah. be like just doing their own chalk fucking. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Look, exactly. it is Freddy. Freddy, oh, he is scary. He's very scary. This is Frederick Kruger. He's <laughs> bad man. Very bad man. Very bad man. He has many wives. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, dude, th- um, this movie picks up from number three beautifully. Uh, fucking Kristen, obviously, you know, um, her replacement actress, um, Tuesday night would. Is that the one? Yeah. Yeah. So who back. also does the opening song, the uh, running from this nightmare song. That I was, saw uh, that. Yes. Um, I think it was cool. pretty much her only single, but yeah. Fucking can't wait to talk about the soundtrack. Oh, but God. um, yeah, but um, yeah, this movie came out August 19, 1988. We see the start of the film, Kristen having a dream, you know, a nightmare, seeing the little girl, the fucking chalk drawing of, the, of uh, Nancy's old house and Freddy Krueger there um, before it turns into a nightmare escape and Joey and uh, Kincaid return, you know, fucking in all their glory. I mean, looking like that, badass. that opening nightmare sequence, like it is one of the best in the series. Like, I mean, Absolutely. they're all good, but yeah. like, you know, that whole like, yeah, I mean, just visually i i just gotta stop and just fucking give some big ass props to the set design in this because like the visuals of that opening nightmare with like you know the rain just starting to fucking lash down and like you know the storm going like that that tree that looks like freddy's claw like the shadow of it being cast through the fucking window and stuff you know all the torn drapes and the fucked up house and everything yeah, blowing in the wind it and everything so fucking good like can you imagine being a fucking set builder for that? That oh, you would have just dude. been having a fucking raging bone of the it's whole time. So atmospheric mm. and fucking awesome, and just like, yeah, just throws you right into it, and it's fucking cool. Yeah, fuck yeah, dude. It's it's sick, and I love how Joey and King Kate, well, King Kate especially, like he's he's very quick to dismiss Kristen's um, concerns that Freddie is not dead. Yeah, he's like. He's dead. And, and, you know, like even Joey, who's talking full voice in this. Yeah. They, they take her down to Freddy's furnace and they open it and they like, feel it, feel it. It's cold. 
you know, and um, yeah, just that whole that whole thing. And then before before you know it, Kincaid's dog jumps out of the fucking furnace and uh, proceeds to bite Kristen on the fucking arm. Um, yeah, yeah, well, which I is mean, completely random. I um, I mean, my my sort of running theory with this movie has always sort of been that um, you know, it, it's like. I think in a way, Kristen actually, her concerns and everything are what has brought, what brings Freddie back. Like, Absolutely. There's there's a whole sort of little undercurrent there of like, you know, that, that self-fulfilling prophecy kind of like, she's so fucking worried about this thing. Like it's consuming her, like her, her fear and anxiety is consuming her. And that's what brings it back to life, really. Like, you know it's like that whole sort of notion that Freddie only has as much life as you give him sort of thing. And, you know, by her fucking flipping a shit about this, it's like, well, that's how he comes back. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not yeah. actually how he comes back. He comes back in like, you know, the, the greatest way possible in this one, which, well, yeah, let's get into that because the dog, you know, the dog is the catalyst for what, what happens to give us the glory. That is this movie. Um, get you know Kristen wakes up from her nightmare her arm is slightly fucking mutilated and she seems pretty cool calm and collect about it um I don't know how you'd feel if you got bit on the arm that deep from a dog but I'd be pretty pissed well there's this whole there's this whole theory like Reddy Reddy Harlan tells a great story about it on uh, never sleep again where you know he's like oh well you know you could go into the fact that you know the dog is sort of like a hellhound and blah 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 but he also he tells this great story about how he was at a party and James Cameron rocks up to him and James Cameron's like, Oh, so you're directing the new nightmare movie, huh? And like, you know, (laughs) he was like, you know, really young and fucking hungry and shit at the time. And Randy's like, Oh yeah. And you know, he's got that great fucking Swedish accent. And, um, apparently Cameron goes, so how are you bringing Freddie back this time? And Randy's like, Oh, dog pisses fired on him. (laughs) (laughs) And apparently Cameron just looks at him and goes, cool. (laughs) Which is fucking cool. I think that is one of the best resurrections I've ever seen of a horror character. Period. I've, it's probably my favorite. Um, I fucking love it because, yeah, like fast forward to we're, we're here, we're back in the junkyard where Freddy is um, dead and buried uh, from number three and fucking, yeah, and, and King K fucking, you know, finds his dog and goes, Hey, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? And the dog just fucking starts cutting psycho Cujo on him and and uh, scares him away. You know, meanwhile, Kincaid's supposed to be mega strong and shit. So it's like, dude, I, I would have bitch slapped the dog. But anyway, um, <laughs> no, no offense to anyone for animal cruelty. It's just, yeah, Hollywood, man. It's Hollywood. But anyway, <laughs> fucking the dog kept Cox's leg and just proceeds to piss fire all over Freddy's grave. And just that magnificent resurrection of Freddy, like watching the bones reform together, that whole sequence. Oh, man. Fucking chef's kiss. That is the thing with this movie. It's like you go from, I mean, you know, let, let, let's face it. At this point, we are literally like fucking, you know, what, 20 minutes into the movie and you've gone from, you know, great set piece in the opening with 1428, like the old house. Yeah, yeah to that great set piece, like the boiler room that like, you know, they've really fucking put the bucks into there. And then you go to this fucking junkyard and it's like, 
I mean, just that shot where, you know, after Freddy's come back and you see, like, the junkyard is like an entire planet. Like, mm. it's wild, man. It's so fucking cool. And just yeah. so, like, just wildly imaginative. And I, I know I keep saying it, but I just, I love the imagination in these movies, that the effort that they put into these nightmare scenes. It's like... It's something I was talking about, like, for anyone that doesn't know, um, you know, I just uh, gave the um, the other dickhead on this podcast's new comic a review on my Facebook. <laughs> very uh, kind, by the way, man. It was really, really uh, cool, man. I, I meant it. Uh, but it was something that I was talking about with that. It's like, you, you kind of do the same thing in your work where you take, you just like, your imagination just goes fucking nuts. And I fucking love that shit because... I, as a writer, one of my fucking weaknesses is I always try and like make shit work logically. And I fucking love that you just go, oh, fuck it. Uh, Satan, Satan's kid, Satan's kid's going to build a cyborg, uh, shit monster, um, angels, uh, fucking weird, fucked up, kind of cute hellhound. Uh, go, I'm writing a comic. And that stuff's going to be in it. Oh, and there's going to be some weird Voltron combiner fucking thing later on too. And that's just going to fit in. And I love that shit. I love when people just go fucking wild with their imagination. Because I sit there and I sort of go, how the fuck did you come up with that? At what point did you sit there and go, yeah, I'm going to make a junkyard planet and Freddy's going to kill a guy there. Like, what the fuck? Like, you know, yeah. I, I just, I love that level of imagination, man. I think it's so fucking cool and so just inspiring and fucking awesome to see. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm speechless. Oh, but, uh... I'll, I'll send you my account details afterwards. <laughs> um, so, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, um yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Those Kazakhstan donations aren't all for you, okay? <laughs> you, you, you still got your account in the Cayman Islands, right? No, 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 I don't. Oh. <laughs> I don't have any secret bank accounts in any islands it's anywhere. A Swiss, it's a Swiss bank account? No, what, no. What are you talking about? <laughs> what is this madness? <laughs> um, for any government agencies listening... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, but, um, oh man, dude, the fucking, um, the movie really, yeah, back to the movie, fucking, the movie kicks into high gear, Freddy's back, he's fucking, what I love about Freddy in this, I, I feel like this is, I don't know about you, but I, I guess we'll explore this as we go along with the rest of the movies, but I feel like this is, um, Robert Englund's peaceful of resistance performance of Freddy Krueger. Oh man, I this this one is peak Freddy. Like the one-liners in this. This is brilliant. peak Freddy cuz he's still scary. Yeah. Still cruel. He's still yeah. a complete bastard. But the the fucking spice he throws on those one-liners is just fucking perfect. Like I mean, you know, when he kills Kincaid, he's like, you know, He's like, go to hell and tell him Freddy sent you. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, it's just like every fucking line of dialogue that comes out of Robert England's mouth in this movie is just a fucking zinger of some sort and not like, 
you know, they, they aren't cheesy. They're like perfectly kind of mean spirited for Freddy. Like where it's, it's still that Freddy's fucking with you kind of thing. Yeah. Absolutely. It's not like the, you know, it's not like number six. It's not like, you know, nice hearing from you, Carlos. It's like, oh, yeah, I get it. Because you just like took his ear off. Okay, cool. Um, you know, no shade on, on Robert for number six. Like he had a blast with it. But yeah, I just, it, it's just like this one is totally peak Freddy Krueger. Like oh, if, if yeah. you. The, the one line is I fucking <clears throat> burst out laughing in this one. Oh man, it. totally. And it's it's one of those ones where it's like, you know, if if someone had never heard of Freddy Krueger and you were, they were like, well, what's he all about? You would basically hand them this movie and go, watch this. If you, yeah. if you don't like this, you're not going to like any of them. Yeah, that's right. I mean, what I love, uh, yeah, like some of the lines in this and the delivery, like I listened to a podcast interview with Robert Englund recently where he just fucking... He talks about the joy of just being given creative freedom to ad lib. Like a lot of the material that he says in the movies, uh, especially in this one, are, are really just off the cuff, dude. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I think because I, I, I've, um, yeah, I, I reread uh, his book, Hollywood Monster, the other day because I saw that docker for the, um, the, the new Robert Englund, the ad for the new doco on Robert Englund that's coming up. Um, and I think it's one of those things where, you know, by the time number four rolled around, I mean, these were really his movies. Like, you know, he was the star. Like, people were going to see these movies for Freddy. Um, you know, they, they, yeah, it was, it was like, you know, so yeah, I, I think, you know, quite deservedly so, like, you know, the, I think the directors of like, you know, three, four, etc. I think they put a lot of faith in him and, mm. you know, as they should have. Well, when you hear, when you get lines like, how sweet fresh meat or uh, um, fucking, uh, I love soul food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, just, oh man, there's just so many good lines in it and they're fucking just matched by, the brilliant special effects in this film. I think this is this is the one in terms of special effects that just fucking gives us peak Freddy and all his glory. And every kid consequently went out and just spastically bought the show bags, the dolls, the toys, everything, you know, everything that wasn't nailed down. Well, I mean, that's the thing, man. It's like, you know, this, this one sort of takes um, <clears throat> the... Uh you know, the, the sort of fantastical stuff from number three and kind of ratchets it up a notch even more, Mm. except for one scene. And we'll get to that one, which was very disappointing. Um, And that was because they ran out of money and time. Uh, But yeah, Mm. we'll, we'll get to that later. But um, yeah, look, fast forward a bit, like um, the, the, the dream warriors, the surviving dream warriors, um, basically Freddy is just, he sees blood and he's going after him one by one. And we, we get a little bit more of an insight into the mythos of Freddy Krueger. He, um, by learning that for every soul, every, you know, every person that he kills, he, it feeds him, it gives him more power, mm. but consequently, um, uh, I'll get to that one in a second, but you know, he's picking off all three of the, the dream warriors one by one. Um, 
and it's it's pretty gruesome how they all die. Actually, I fucking I applaud the the fucking creativity of their deaths. But um, we're introduced to uh, Alice as well, who turns oh. out to be our heroine of the film. I love Alice. Alice is great. I look. She okay. kind of reminds me of Carrie a little bit. Full confession. Alice, Alice is my favorite final girl ever. I think she has such a great story arc from this movie to the next one. Um, I think the evolution of her character is fantastic. I think what it represents is fucking great. I think she's just such a fucking brilliant character. Um, I mean, I, I look, Nightmare on Elm Street 4 is probably my favorite group of horror movie teens ever. I think they just, they are so great together. Mm. Um, and also Lisa Wilcox is an absolute fucking babe. So there's that. Yep. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a big Alice fan, like more, more so than Nancy. I'm sorry. Fucking Elm Street purists bite me. Uh, I actually prefer Alice as, Freddy's nemesis, the Nancy. It's kind of cool about that. That's the thing about the Nightmare series is that you know other, other movies where we're given lukewarm, you know, hero hero characters or, or final victims, whatever. Nightmare on Elm Street, we're given a little bit something different, man, and it's it's refreshing. And Alice is um, yeah, man, she's I I fucking love her performance in this film, and I love her character, um. It's great because when the dream war are getting picked off, we slowly and very quickly learn that Alice is also absorbing their some of their um, power as well. well. Yeah, Kristen basically, um, in order to like, I mean, Kristen kind of like knows she's going down. Also, quick moment, fuck you, Kristen's mum. You are the fucking oh, worst. You are the biggest bitch asshole on Elm Street. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, this is the thing. It's like she wins the worst parent on Elm Street award because she literally kills her daughter in this movie. Literally, like, yeah. By fucking stealth feeding her sleeping pills. Like, yeah, that oh was, God, that was such a sad. I, I actually really cringed when that happened because I was like, Oh fuck, man! Like you could tell, like the 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 desperation in Kristen's eyes when she's looking at her mum. Like you've just signed my death warrant. You've just killed your daughter. Like just that. It was so convincing that performance. She is the worst. And it's what what is ironic in this movie is that we get to see the worst parent on Elm Street, and then we actually get one of the best parents on Elm Street later on. But he doesn't. He doesn't actually become the best parent until the next movie. But, like, you know, that's the thing. It's like Kristen's going down, she knows it, and she pulls Alice into her dream and basically transfers her power to Alice. And they talk about this myth, this um, entity called the Dream Master. Mm. And um, I, I, by the end of it, I kind of figured that Alice is in many ways the Dream Master. Mm. Um. Yeah, by the end of it anyway. Yeah, but um, yeah, dude. I mean, we're given Alice. We're given a fresh batch of of new, um, fresh meat, as Freddie calls it, to play with. Um, I, 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 yeah, Alice's brother. I didn't really think too much of Dan. What? 
Oh, look, I thought he was cool, but I just I, I would have liked to have seen. I, I just wanted, <laughs> yeah, he's cool, but I just wish they'd. My gripe about him, and this is fair, right? I I just didn't feel like they gave him enough development spaces like they did for Alice. Yeah, no, that's 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 fair. And I mean, look, Rick does get a fairly he gets shortchanged with his death scene. That's like, how I felt. Like he really gets shortchanged. And I mean, the thing is too. Um, one of the little fun facts about this movie is that because there was a writer's strike on. Um, a lot of the cast, like a lot of the cast for this movie of the, the teens, uh, mm. wrote a lot of their own dialogue. Like a lot of that stuff between Rick and Alice, um, uh, Lisa Wilcox and Andres Jones wrote that themselves uh, because they, they didn't have a script for it, um, which is really cool uh, because, I mean, I love the relationship between the teens in this. Like, I mean, the, the bond between Rick and Alice with, like, you know, their, their dad just being, you know, he's kind of fucked up and we'll get to that later. Mm. Um, you know, their, their bond is really tight. Like, you really do buy that they're brother and sister. Absolutely, yeah. Like, it was very convincing performance on both their parts to, you know, to show us this brother-sister relationship. And, of course, it's marred by the fucking evil dad who's a fucking alcoholic um, prick, to he, say the least. He, he is in this movie, and he has such a great turnaround in the next movie. Um, and there's a little moment in this movie that I feel gives him a lot more depth than most of the parents on Elm Street. Like, you know, obviously his his wife is dead, which has, you know, led him to start drinking and stuff like that. And... Um, yeah, it's it's been something that I always discuss uh, whenever I'm watching this movie. If if B and I watch it together, is like there's that one line where you know Alice is about to like fucking bounce out and you know try and save the day, and he says to her, "I very much know what's going on with you and your friends." Because mm. she's like, you know, you don't know what's happening. He's like, "Oh, I very much know what's happening with you." And yeah, your absolutely, friends. man. And absolutely. It's like <clears throat> just that one line because it's like. Timeline-wise, you know, this movie is, you know, probably about five, six years past the first movie. Um, so he probably wouldn't have been in on the people that burned Freddy and killed him originally, but he no doubt knew about it. And it, it's just a little line like that really just kind of throws the whole, you know, it just really gives you that hint of like a very much larger backstory for Springwood and like, you know, how all the adults know that this is like Freddie is the town's dirty little secret and it's trying to keep it under wraps, but they, they know what's going on. And it's like, all the adults in Springwood suck. Oh my God. Do they suck? It's like, you guys all know that this is going on and you're not warning your kids about it. Fuck you. Bad parenting award I, all round. Yeah, I feel like the um, just quick side note. I don't want to go into it too deep, but I feel like the um, the the douchebaggery of the parents in in this town um, pretty much instigate this whole um, prequel of Elm Street that we're supposedly getting down the track. Yeah, well, I mean that's the thing. I think it's kind of like you know, <clears throat> which I think it's it's fair. It's it's good to get it, but. <laughs> I'm, I think I'm it, curious. Could, it could be good. It could be really good. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm, if it's done well. 
yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like you know, I I still think there's a there's a a new Freddy movie to be had where Robert gets to pass the torch. Like I think he deserves that. Can I say there was uh, the question? I listened to another podcast interview where the question was asked of Kevin Bacon if he would entertain the thought of Freddy Krueger, and he said if if the if the script is presented right and the conditions are good, yeah. Like, so he's not opposed to the idea of it either. But I still, I'm with you. I think we need to, Freddy Krueger, um, Robert Englund to give us one last lap of honour and I think we need to see Richard break. Oh, man, on 100%. Like, I'm, I'm, I am all in, like, I will fight a motherfucker over this. Like, He's just like... got the physique. He's got the, the mannerisms. Um, yeah, I... But, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll talk about this later on in the series, but dude, like, oh for sure, yeah, like yeah, just like I said, quick side note, I just think, yeah, 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 but um, dude, back to the movie, fucking of the Dream Warriors' death, I got to say, my favorite was Joey's death. Yeah, well, I mean, look, it's probably always going to be my favorite as well because it's like, I mean, look, that whole sequence is just cool. I feel it like. Is- it's a really cool callback to Johnny Depp's death from the yes. first one. And it's, it's like they're paying homage to it and just adding a little bit of, yeah. uh, we've got a bigger budget, so let's do something really cool with it. Well, yeah, and, you know, the the cherry on top is you've got fucking Billy Idol's Fatal Charm playing oh. on the top of it, which is like one of the top ten best Billy Idol songs ever. Yeah. And give, given the the... the sheer magnificence of the man's discography that's saying a lot Um, well i think i think that between that um i think his other fucking movie masterpiece soundtrack contribution is speed well yeah and cradle of love from fort caroline yeah plus you got rebel yell from the right uh and legend of billy jean listen listen back to one of our previous episodes (laughs) many moons ago where we just fucking pretty much oh man it was it was like a fucking romance novel of love for Billy Idol. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, you know, you, you got to get up pretty early. Uh, <laughs> You've got to get up pretty early in the morning to actually hear me make sense, apparently. Uh, <laughs> and, and also to, you like, you know, um, <laughs> beat me on Billy Idol trivia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um but uh, yeah, Joey's death is great. Like he's he's in his bedroom, he's watching TV, he's drifting it off off to dreamland. He looks up and se- and wakes up and sees his uh, one of his favorite little posters up on the wall of um, that gorgeous supermodel, whatever her name is. And um, next thing you know, fucking he opens the sheet to the, the the wonderful tunes of Fatal Charm by Billy Idol, and there she is underwater in the waterbed, fucking basically saying. Come in, come in. And then, and then Freddie. <laughs> yeah, she's like, you know, she's like water nymphing in there. It's like, you like my boobies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's right? just like, oh my fucking God. And then, you know, oh God, that one liner from Freddie is just, you know, I mean, come on, man. That's just, that's gold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm trying to remember what Freddie says. Uh, something about a wet dream. <laughs> he, he fucking jumps up. Like, she disappears. Freddie pops up out of the bed, grabs Joey, yeah. holds him by the neck. He's like, how's that for a wet dream? That's it. That <laughs> and so then, good. 
fucking drags him underwater and just knifes him to death. <laughs> and then the next morning, fucking Joey's mum walks in with the fucking, you know, 80s mum fucking carrying the, the laundry basket, picking up after a kid going, <laughs> Joey, Joey. And then there's Joey. Yeah. Here's, here's a funny thing too. I don't know if you noticed it or not, but like when Freddy goes after the Dream Warriors, like the original, the surviving Dream Warriors, he ain't fucking around, man. Like all the other deaths in the movie are fairly elaborate. Like, you know, the cockroach death, which is, oh my God, fucking gnarly as fuck. It was great. Um, You know, uh, Deb's death or whatever uh, her name was, uh, the chick with the asthma you know, her death was, like, fairly elaborate, like a lot of the other ones as well. But, like, with the Dream Warriors, it's, like, the setup to lure them in is fairly elaborate. But then Freddy just fucking knifes them. Like, he just stabs them. Like, there's a there's a fuck you to those kind of, that to those three deaths that the others don't have. And it's, like, it's just a little subtle character thing, but it's, like, yeah, Freddy's pissed off that these guys took him out mm. and he ain't fucking about anymore. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, Freddy's really, he's taken names in this movie. Well, yeah, man. It's like he just, it's like he comes back from the dead. It's like, right, first thing to do, take care of business. Fuck these little bastards up that killed me. And then I'll go kick back and have some fun with the rest of them. And I love, I love that we get to see a bit more of the, the magic of Freddy when he pulls out up his sweater and reveals all his souls. Cause I think that was briefly touched on in number three, I think. Yeah, but it's it's more explored in number four. We see them screaming and pleading, like it's basically a living hell mm. that is Freddy's body. Yeah, and um, and I I just love the part where he's hanging out with Alice and uh, in in a nightmare, and um, yeah, that gets that pep, the fucking meatball pizza. And... Oh yeah, yeah, man. I mean, there's there's so many elaborately cool nightmare sequences. I know uh, people give a lot of shit to the Freddy shark in this. I love the Freddy I shark. I love the Freddy shark. I love, I, I, I just, I love that scene for so many reasons. Like number one, the Freddy shark fin is fucking cool. Freddy with the sunglasses. Dude, is that cool. was great. Freddy hanging out on the beach. It's like, but, and I mean, people are like, oh, it's so stupid. Like, where would Freddy be in this? It's, nah. like, it's a nightmare. He can do whatever he wants. And I love the idea that Freddy can corrupt any dream like any dream you're having he is so powerful he can just instantly corrupt it and make it something awful which is what he does to Kristen. like when she's like oh pleasant dream i'm just hanging out on the beach here yep that's nice and it's like no 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 i'm freddy krueger and i'm gonna come along and fuck this up for you um i think that's just so cool and i mean that whole dream sequence Alice has when she's in the theater and gets sucked into the fucking movie. And like, you know, then she, her worst fear is like, she's stuck at this cafe and she's been there her whole life and just wasted it. It's, it's so cool, man. Like this movie is so fucking layered with little stuff. It's, it's just, it's brilliant. I love that diner. And you know, I, if I had to work in a diner like that for the rest of my life, listening to old fucking fifties music, I'd be kind of pretty stoked actually, but <laughs> I don't know. That, that's just me. But um, yeah, I, um, it's funny because, you know, if you listen to back to this, you know, if you remember the start of the show where we're talking about all, you know, 
uh, perception versus reality. And here it is in full glory in this in this movie in the diner sequence with Allison um, and her big haired friend. Yeah, um, oh, I can't remember her friend's name, but um, fucking, I I think she was confused whether she's a rock chick, a metal chick, a fucking, I don't know what, but. Yeah. I, I just yeah i love her, her fucking exploding hairdo it was cool she was like right there out was, of a white snake video there you go. she was man she had the whole tawny tank thing going on yeah but, it was uh, cool there was a lot of really cool hair in this movie i mean i was a big fan yeah. of rick's hair like rick's hair was fucking rick's hair was point. great dude like, it, was... it was very on point he was he was rocking some sort of like there was advanced con- Christian Slater from the There 80s. was, and with a sort of slight tinge of goth in there with the black. It yeah, cool. there's a little bit of Robert Smith going on too. Yeah, I like that. I mean, you know, look, man, I loved Rick as a character because it's like the dude just hangs out in his garage. Dude, he was cool. Fucking, practicing yeah. kung fu, listening to drama ramas, anything, anything, which what is one of the great greatest, song. greatest, greatest fucking proto punk pop songs ever fucking written. so good man that soundtrack like yeah we'll get to that one in a second but dude that sequence where he's just fucking getting his karate on is fucking cool dude and man fucking his his um death sequence against freddy is fucking masterful i love that i just i felt like it could have been way better like i feel like they just kind of shortchanged him like the elevator thing was cool um, you know, the fact that Rick died when he fell asleep while taking a shit, I felt was a little bit undignified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, oh man, like, look, my boy deserved better. <laughs> like, he died on the crapper, dude, come on. Like, it's some fucking, it's some Elvis shit right there. Like, that's not cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was. Um, well, apparently, his death was meant to be way more elaborate. Um, I kind of wish it was. And they sort of they ran out of money and they ran out of time, mm. so his death basically just went like, "Oh, we'll do some sort of karate studio thing with uh, Freddie's glove." Like, we we can't even really get Robert in for the day. Like, we'll just we'll make some shit up. Um, yeah. So I mean, it kind of felt a cool. bit like, mm. like I liked, I liked the whole invisible warrior that was Freddy in in this, and yeah, obviously the politics behind it, um, yeah, dictate otherwise. But um, I, I kind of like that that whole thing, you know. You can't, well, I do, can't see. I do feel like they made it work because, like, you know, they did. They did. They made it, the best of a shitty sort situation. Of, they they managed like it, it was a crap situation, but they managed to make it work in the sense that like they kept it in the theme of Freddy kind of using things you either love or are afraid of against you. Like mm. in terms like, you know, with um you know, uh Sheila, the chick with the asthma. Like yeah, yeah. you know, she like was, you know, terrified of her asthma, so Freddie used that against her. Like, I love it. They want to suck face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Learning is fun with Freddy. <laughs> like, oh, I um, fucking love that. And good. then, like, you know, later on, Deb, when she's, like, working out and stuff like that, like, you know, she's terrified of roaches and shit like that. So, like, you know, Freddy, like, really fucks with her. Oh, um, dude. Yeah, it's like, so no pain, no gain. Yeah, I mean, the that cockroach scene That's where she's right. turning into the cockroach is yeah. one of the fucking gnarliest effects in this series like absolutely 
And I mean, just that scene where her face is stuck in the glue in the Roach Motel and she's like pulling it up and it's just like peeling her fucking skin off. And like, you know, and she's like, that's the, the scary thing about that is like, she's aware through the whole thing. And then he just fucking crushes her. And it's just like, Oh shit. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, oh, I kind of brutal. I mean, I, I love that, but I kind of wish she would have done something like similar to what she did when she crushed the, the fucking cockroach under a boot heel. In oh the, yeah. In the high school. I kind of wish, yeah. Part of me wishes he'd done something like to that effect. Yeah. Just to, to have that continuity from, you know, reference from earlier on. Yeah, 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 touch. Would have been cool, but it was still cool to see what he did. And, yeah, I'm with you, man. The, the effects for that, I mean, no wonder they fucking ran out of money because some of the effects in this is just fucking unbelievable. Oh, man, yeah. Man. They, they unbelievable. Oh, so just like. I mean, you can put that movie on the screen today and it would fucking piss all over half of what's <laughs> out at the moment. Well, I mean, dude, like that whole final confrontation thing, like, we'll, we'll, we'll chat about yeah. that when we move on to the soundtrack because yeah, we've got to talk about the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. that whole final confrontation, like that fucking dilapidated church that Alice and Freddie, like, throw down in, like, I mean, I, I love, I mean, quick, before we get to that, very, very quickly, like, I love that scene where Alice is, like, tooling up to go confront Freddie. Like that, that Huey Lewis in the news. Oh no, it's not Huey Lewis. It's go West. I think is like, you know, that guitar riff from that track is playing in the background. And she's like, it's just such a cool thing. It's like, you know, she's really coming into her own and she's like, I, I love the theme of like, you know, who you are is comprised of all the people you love, whether mm-hmm. you've lost them or not. Like, you know, you see her like, She's clearing off all the photos so she can actually like see herself for the first time in forever. I love that. You know, yeah, right. that was a great sequence. Yeah, man. It's such a great sequence. Like, you know, she's her outfit is comprised of like little things from all of her friends that she's lost. Like it's, you know, a, you know, her brother's headband, her friend's wristband. Like well, this is know. the realization of the Dream Master Poseidon. Yeah. Like, this is where it's all coming to fruition because she's assembling all the trophies that she's gotten from her dead friends <clears throat> and and piecing it all together, like wrapping, you know, uh, putting on that. I love that my favourite was when she put on the, the fucking studded bracelet. Yeah. That was like the, the, the cherry on top. Well, that's the thing, man. I love that that theme and that notion of, you know, who you are is built of all the people that have been important to you and influenced yeah. your life. And, you know by drawing on that strength of all the people that you've loved and people that have loved you and cared about you, you can face anything, even Mm. something as horrible as Freddie. I think that's the thing, man, you know, people just, uh, you know, I don't want to be that guy, but there's a lot of deep shit going on in these. Oh, dude, fuck it, man. (laughs) Really deep shit going on behind the scenes. Um, you know, it just happens to be wrapped in a very delicious slasher movie with a great soundtrack. Um, so, you know, it's sort of like a burrito. Yeah, <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> now I feel like burritos. Uh, but, um, yeah. That final that, battle's sick, That's dude. such a great... And that final battle, man, yeah, like that, that fucking dilapidated, fucked up church looks so fucking good. So good. And, and Freddy's fucking entrance in that is... I mean, that whole... Huh. Welcome to Wonderland, Alice. It's like, 
Oh, dude. dude. What? Like, yeah. fuck off. Like, like, if that doesn't get you excited, fuck, man. You must be a Morrisite. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, God, like, fucking, yeah. And, and just to quickly add on what you were saying before, before we get to that, um, the moment of realisation I love in Alice's eyes when she realised, holy shit, I can use nunchucks. Yeah. Fucking love that. In well, the stunt bottle. Stunt and, I mean, and I mean, especially cool. like, you know, the drama armour kicks in. Again. Oh, dude. Like, like <laughs> yeah. Th- th- that was, I couldn't have thought of a more appropriate song to put on you that just, soundtrack. You, you're, you're pointing at the TV and you're going, I know what you're doing. You're making yep. me love you. <laughs> yep. Yep. So back to the, the final battle. There's, it's fucking one for the ages. It's I love the back and forth on this one. It's just fucking great. Oh, um, yeah. Freddie gets a bit of an upper hand. Then Alice gives him a few fucking good licks and uh, utilizing her friend's fucking trinkets. And it's fucking great, dude. Just, I mean, the effects, man. Like, I, I love that moment where she just like blasts through Freddie's chest. Oh, so good. And he just like stands there and just wipes it off. And then that line afterwards where he's like, I am eternal. It's like, oh, fuck. Like, That's what, yeah. I mean, that is when you realize in that moment the magnitude of how powerful Freddy Krueger is. He ain't just some fucking boogeyman thing, he is evil incarnate. Yeah, well, that's the thing, man. And, I mean, it's little lines like that, and it's something that I'm sure we'll discuss, like, you know, probably around Freddy's dead, but, like, just the mythology of Freddy, like, I, you know, I have a lot of theories and thoughts about, like, exactly, like, you know, because I know one of the things that people like to pick on with these movies is, like, oh, they killed Freddy this way, and they keep changing the mythology. I'm like, no, they, they actually don't. They actually no. don't change the mythology that much at all. I, I, I challenge anyone to prove it to me. Everything in these movies connect if yes. you understand what Freddy is. If like, anything, what they do is they fucking, like a great paper mache, they just put layer upon layer of awesomeness. Well, that's the thing, man. Like, you know, they're, they're, I, I, I feel like, you know, because, like, if you understand what Wes Craven was building, and this is a discussion for a later time, but yeah. just to quickly touch on it, if you understand what Wes Craven was building and what his intentions were with creating Freddy Krueger and, like, the nature of dreams and nightmares, everything that happens to Freddy, like the different ways that he's destroyed, um, the different ways he comes back and that, all fits because it's all dependent on the person dreaming. So it's like, because Alice has so much belief in herself and so much faith in herself now, because she's been empowered by all the people that she's loved and lost to this fucking monster, Mm. she can actually just like, you know, and I don't think it's like, I've, I've always maintained, I don't think Freddie ever gets killed in these movies. He just gets like the wind knocked out of him for a bit. Like, where even if that's in an incredibly fucking amazing way, like this one, where he's literally torn apart from the inside. Yep, like, fucking a man. And um, yeah, it's 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 such a good fucking ending to Freddy. Actually, I, I fucking love how how she just gets the upper hand at the end, and um, the and you know you know it's not the end of Freddy. Well, that's stretch. And I mean, you know, that, that whole sequence, I mean, that whole sequence where Freddy's torn apart by all the souls being freed is just spectacular. Oh, and so good. Like, I mean, also, you know, guest appearance by uh, 
Leana Quigley from uh, Return of the Living Dead. Right oh, there, dude, um, it's sick. It's yeah, like, I did, yeah, I didn't pick up on that. That was cool. Oh, yeah, yeah the, the chick that's like bursting out of Freddy's body. Um, I mean, you know, for those that don't know, if you've ever seen Return of the Living Dead, she was the incredibly hot and incredibly naked redhead dancing on the tomb. Um, yeah. So she was quite popular. So, yes, the naked chick that's trying to burst out of Freddy, that was her. Fucking A, man. Yeah, this, um, yeah, the fucking great, great finale to a great film. We know that by the end of it, we haven't seen the last of Freddy. Um, it doesn't really give too much away about that, but um, cut to the credits and uh, fuck, dude, the soundtrack. Um, let's let's do the soundtrack before we wrap up. Oh, this dude, is fucking, I mean, yeah, it, this is probably my favorite soundtrack. And I was all strong, kinds of, I was blown away thing. to see. Yeah, I was blown away to see Love Kills, um, Vinnie Vincent vent, uh, invasion on this. Yeah, that was um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not I'm not the biggest Vinnie Vincent fan um, for you know for any other reason than um, I just really haven't properly listened but um i thought that was cool um but yeah like what a mix like you've got bands like you've got these rock metal bands like fucking love hate vinnie vincent um billy idol billy idol even blondie's in there but then you've got fucking um go west yeah like that was i man i was blown away by go west on the soundtrack well, i mean yeah you got go west sinead o'connor back when she was a bit more sinead o'connor that was the one that got me the biggest um yeah man like and the know, divinals the divinals um i mean that great divinals oh. track i mean yeah like and i mean yeah look fuck man if you if you listen i'm not going to go through it again but like if you listen to last week's episode you know why this and number three are so fucking just important to me yeah, personally yeah, but yeah. um i mean yeah that divinals tracks like got a lot of fucking so, so lot of fucking you know memory attached to it yeah. as well but like it's such a great track and i mean the the other thing is too is that like it's not just that there's great music on here it's, it's used really well mm, like it it's is used really well in the film um and I mean, yeah, you know, obviously drama armor, like I don't really need to profess my love for them anymore because I think I've done it quite a lot this episode. But um, yeah, just a fucking killer soundtrack. Like I think, you know, it's probably my favorite in the series. Um, I think so too. I think possibly, it's great. You know, possibly with number six, the soundtrack for it kind of just like well, fake the, second, second place. Yeah, for the Nightmare on Elm Street series, I would say this is, Hands down, best soundtrack. Um, Freddy versus Jason is a separate movie, so I can't compare that. But um, I think this is good because it's a diverse soundtrack. We have one of the actresses contributing a song. And then, of course, we have the fucking, uh, the, the brilliant track, um, Are You Ready for Freddy? Performed oh, yeah. by the fat, uh, the fat Boys. And, um, yeah, like... Fucking Freddy Krueger's voice is on there too, man. Yeah, I know. It's great. (laughs) I fucking loved it. I loved it. I believe there was a single for it and everything, like a cassette single and all Uh, that shit. Yeah, pretty sure there was. I've seen seen a few uh, out and about in the wilds of the interwebs. uh, Yeah. People selling them for ridiculously expensive money. Pretty fucking Um, cool. I'm pretty sure there was a film clip as well for that. Yeah, I'll have to look it up. 
But um, yeah, dude, man, the fucking Nightmare on Elm Street 4, Dream Master, fucking smashes it out of the ballpark like a fucking comet in space. Soundtrack to rock your socks off. Jake has a beer and pizza movie. Is this like a fucking three for 30 and a fucking keep the kegs pouring? Oh yeah, dude. This is a this is a uh, travel back to the eighties and hire out one of those Pizza Hut restaurants and just keep it fucking coming. Fucking a man, man. I hope that there is a future near in the not too distant future where we see Nightmare Four on the big screen again. Oh man, I'd love to. I would really love to. I'd love to, man. I think it would be so fucking cool. The world deserves it. We deserve it. And, um, yeah, because, man, it's just such a fun movie. And, um, yeah, I, I like, the series is, like, you can watch it over and over, but, like, number four holds a special place for, yeah, so many reasons. And um, Oh, man, yeah, yeah. Look, I just, I, I honestly think, like, you know, I think number four, if I would, liken it to anything like if you if this was the first nightmare you watched it is one of those ones where it's like it's like picking up a random issue of a really great comic run and like sort of going fuck that was rad what the there's enough information there for you to understand what's going on but also to tease you enough to want to go and check out what happened before yeah so yeah i think in that way it's like you know it's 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 one of those perfect, well done sequels where it's just like, hundred percent. Wow, who the fuck are these guys? Like, I want to know more about them. Like, you know, I'm going to go check out number three. Yeah, like it, this is this is definitely the movie. Like, I mean, in comparison to other great franchises that we love as well, this one holds strong, dude. This this really like in Nightmare on Elm Street. I feel like each movie just continuously, especially in this first four films. The bar just get got raised that little bit more each movie. Yeah. Um, whereas other films like Friday the Thirteenth kind of yeah, didn't quite, you know. Yeah, well, I feel that's the thing. It's like Elm Street. Elm Street has a lot more sort of, uh, you know, well established continuity. Yeah. Um, you know, whereas like you know stuff like Friday, it was just kind of like, oh, let's just do the same thing again, but a little bit different. You know, yeah. uh, let's stick with what works. Whereas Elm Street just kind of like, I don't know. There's there's a bit more care to detail and character Absolutely. in Nightmare on Elm Street yeah. than the, a lot of other horror franchises. Yeah, and, and I mean that's not taking anything away from the other franchises. Oh They're fuck it, superior yeah. in their own right. But I feel like with Nightmare on Elm Street, they just really set the standard and make this you know, give us every reason why this is one of the fucking best series um, for horror. And if you haven't seen number four, fucking, what are you doing? Yeah, seriously, just get on that shit. Mm. Well, we have survived another night in Elm Street and I'm feeling pretty damn fucking good about it. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, you know, next week there's there's, uh, green babies and shit. Yeah. Gets a little weird, but that's all right. <laughs> Still got love for it. But um, yeah, man, we're stoked that you guys and ghouls are enjoying the series. It's fucking a lot of fun doing these deep dives, and um, yeah, this is uh, this is definitely a fun episode. 
fun soundtrack, fun movie. It's Freddy, baby. It's fucking, yeah. It's the tits. And we will see you back here tomorrow morning for Rad. Where, oh, I'm excited. Uh, heading off to Metropolis yep. for a few episodes. Might even detour and go to Smallville for a bit as well. Ooh. Yeah, just go hang out on the farm for a bit. I don't know, bench press some fucking tractors and, um, you know, eat some of Mars apple pie. As you do. As you do, man. <laughs> But in the meantime, fucking uh, tell your mates about us. Like and sub- subscribe, as Jake always says. Um, and, yeah, fucking be rad. Be freaky. And whatever you do, don't fall asleep. Or listen to Morrissey. Ever. do 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 All right. We'll see morning. Yep. Adios, amigos. Bye. Tell them Freddy sent you. <laughs>